Well, hello again, and welcome to How Did It Get So Late, a live broadcast on some various night where I read you a short story, um, though in tonight's case, some real-life letters. Uh, I had to listen over my last story to remember where I ended just generally in life, but I didn't realize that one had also been Virginia Woolf's story. That one had been a Virginia Woolf story, which was a very beautiful story about a walk through a garden. Um, so we are definitely getting our dose of Miss Wolf. It it was incredibly funny to listen back to my little spiel when so many months have gone by and so much various things have happened. Um, I never really listened back to them because listening to one's own voice is, as I'm sure we can all agree, just simply awful to do. <laughs> but I was so surprised by all that has happened. I now work at that florist that I was talking about before that I was just about to start at um, and have been learning flower arranging from the fantastic lady there um, and I do really love it there. It's turned out to be quite a lucky place for me to have ended up. Um, the holidays were quite a buzz. Uh, my train got cancelled, it was a whole thing, <laughs> and I was also working at a holiday market as well, so doing this on top of the holiday market and the florist was just not the move <laughs> at the time, and weaving, um, doing commissions for Christmas, not, not possible, so happy to be back though. Um, and I do plan on actually having a story a month, though, honestly, no promises. I still aim for this to be something that I enjoy and not stressful, so. Uh, but I think once a month will be totally doable for me. Um, I will still keep all of the previous ones up to listen to as well. I know I had been doing um it's up until the next one airs but I figure I guess I'll keep them up there also they're they're always on Spotify so it's a bit of a cheat um but yeah but yes okay so um life has been good and I love living in New York and um even in the cold which really, I mean, it's been cold, but it's been a pretty mild winter. I'm, I'm really hoping we get some snow, though. I think this is, like, the record for not having snow for as long as New York has, but, ah, um, I have gone out dancing, uh, as I was previously complaining about in October, <laughs> but, um, New Year's, uh, was notable, uh, lesbian night at the various bars around have been core memories that Michael can also attest to. <laughs> um, I do feel sometimes like 
a little kid in a movie just like shocked that this could be my life because I really am enjoying myself so much um and I am so lucky to say that I cannot believe but um anyway and oh also because I don't really listen back to these uh I, I do often forget how personal I have been previously, but I did start this um, when I was at a low point and it was one of the only things that I was really excited about. Um, so this to say, I am very happy to be back and thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy. I, I really do love getting an excuse to read some short stories and honestly spend way too long trying to look for them and then way too long designing clocks <laughs> but yes so if you want to make my life easier um and you have any short stories uh that you want to hear or perhaps you've written some short stories and you also want to hear those read in my lovely beautiful voice i can do many an impression <laughs> Um, which you can previously hear, uh, but there is an email link at the bottom of the website, so feel free to reach out with any of those. Or just if it's not a story and you just want to pop in and say hi, also very welcome to do that. <laughs> so, anyway, getting to this month's story. Uh, as I said, not quite a story, but love letters between two famed writers, Virginia Woolf and Vita Sackville-West. Uh, the letters I will be reading are the very beginning of their romantic relationship, which started in December 1925, um, but there are many, many a letter before this where they speak more as friends, and many letters after. I, I'm not quite sure where I'll stop, but we shall see. Um, and since this is the case, I'm not sure about the time estimate on this one. But I will probably keep it around 35 minutes. Um, Michael and I were mid-card game when I had to come read, so I have to go beat him swiftly after this, even though he is currently beating me um, I'm trying to come back, you know? I decided, taking a break, coming back full force. Hopefully, the lesbian love will give me some sort of luck in this case. Um, okay. Anyway, there is, like, a little intro that they give of, like, so you're just not, you know, plopped into their life not knowing anything. Um, so this does start in December of 1925, and Virginia goes to stay for three days with Vida at um, Long Barn, which I don't, I'm not quite sure where that is, but, um, and here is when their, like, love affair began, and it says, without alarm, it seems, on Virginia's side, nor guilt on Vida's who hinted at it in letters to Harold, um, I believe Vita's husband, 
but lied when challenged by friends. Interesting. Um, like Virginia's brother-in-law, Clive. Um, Leonard, who very quickly became aware of what was happening, did not interfere and joined them at Long Barn in, uh, on the 19th of December. Um, and during the next few weeks, Vita and Virginia met very often. First at Charleston, um, and then in London, and until Vita's departure for her first visit to Persia. So we start with a letter to Virginia on December 8th, Tuesday, December 8th. My dear Virginia, I have been doing something so odd, so queer, or rather something which, though perhaps neither odd nor queer in itself, has filled me with such odd and queer sensations that I must write to you. The thing, by the way, was entirely connected with you, and wild horses won't drag from me what it is. And high time, too, that I did write. I meant to come and see you last Friday, but the fog and a variety of complaints prevented me. I was furious. Next morning, I had to come home early. I motored down. Everything was white, and the hedges looked as though they had grown old in the night. Everything glistened and was still. The whole country was like Sleeping Beauty's Park. Now it has all gone, and there is only slush. May I come and see you on Monday, 21st, which is my nearest London date. I never said you were cruel. You must have been answering someone else's letter when you wrote me. I suspect you of dozens of correspondents. I did say esteem, but I meant love. Only I was afraid of getting snubbed. You see, you have only to be a little testy with me to get the truth. I con contrast my illiterate writing with your scholarly one and am ashamed. So dull I am. Dull outwardly, at least. All oafish and muddy, but not dull inside. A week's solitude restores me to the sense that I am a person and not a rag heap for other people to pick over. I got an advertisement addressed in your handwriting this morning, which gave me a shock. I thought it was a letter till I turned it over and saw it was only a postcard, and printed at that. Why do you address advertisements? Has it a hypnotic effect on you? I can think of no other reason why you should do it. A mine seems to have exploded under all of my friends, blowing them first sky high and then peppering them down neatly in various distant places, one in Sumatra, another in Mexico, a third in India, myself in Persia. All this quite suddenly. Can you see me and Raymond in the Saharan hills together? No, of course not, yet so it will be. I have become a planet snob, drunk with journeying. This makes me savor my last days here all the more keenly. May I, too, like the schoolgirls, be told how to read a book? I am in such a temper with Prost. Yours, Vida. To Vida. My dear Vida, this is Wednesday, December 9th. The doctor says I may go away. Would you like me to come to you for a day or two, or 
you are alone before the 20th? I expect this is too late and too difficult. I only suggest it on the off chance. To Vita, Thursday, December 10th. My dear Vita, would Tuesday afternoon suit you? Should I stay till Friday or Saturday? Should Leonard come and fetch me back? Should you mind if I only brought one dressing gown? Should I be a nuisance if I had breakfast in bed? To Virginia, December 15th. My dear Virginia, I am so sorry to have put you off to Wednesday, but I had a sick servant. It will all be right tomorrow. You will come by the train you mentioned. 4.18 at Seven Oaks, I think. Yes, you can have breakfast, lunch, and dinner in bed if you feel like it. Yes, bring a dressing gown. Yes, let Ken Leonard come whenever he likes. What a pity you can't stay till Sunday, as I am going up on Sunday morning, and it would have been nice to have taken you up. It would be a great joy to have you. I will look after you very well, and you shan't be bothered by anyone. Yours ever, Vita. To Vita, December 22nd, Tuesday. I am dashing off to buy a pair of gloves. I am sitting up in bed. I am very, very charming. And Vita is a dear old rough-coated sheepdog. Or alternatively, hung with grapes, pink with pearls, lustrous candle lit in the door of a seven oaks draper. I'll ask Nessa whether Saturday or Sunday and write to Noel. But do not snuff the stinking tallow out of your heart. Poor Virginia to wit, and dog Grizzle, who is scratching under my bed, now for a bus down to Southampton Row. Ah, but I like being with Vita. That one felt like a little... <laughs> that one was a very Virginia wolf. <laughs> to Virginia, December 24th, Christmas Eve. Virginia, dear and lovely, Saturday be it, with this sole reservation that if by any chance, any evil chance, my mother should have asked people to lunch that day, I must come to you after lunch only, but this is as unlikely as it would be unfortunate. I wrote to ask her, but thanks no doubt to Xmas, I've had no reply. I will appear at about one, and please remember that your household will alarm me exceedingly, except Clive, who is a refuge. I shall be, oh, so glad to see you again, so glad that it makes me incapable of writing to you now. I must write you either a long letter or else a note to say I will come to lunch. Damn you then, Vita, why not it be the long letter? V. To Virginia. January 1st. My darling Virginia, I write to you in a state of extreme petubation. I'll tell you why when I see you. I was taken off my guard. It's early morning in the new year. I'll write you a proper letter, but I am upset now. It is Clive who is responsible. The house is full of children and noise. You're bewildered, Vida. January 3rd to Virginia. Ah, Virginia is not responding. <laughs> it might seem strange at first. Oh no, I guess it is a few days after. 
It might seem strange at first that I should have talked of you so little, having thought of you so much. I had, after all, Clive at my elbow, not merely your brother-in-law, but an authority who had loved you in his day. Yet I chose not to profit by his presence. Something kept me back, and now, of course, I regret the missed opportunity. No, that's not true. I don't. If I had the last three days over again, I should do it the same. I think I prefer making my own explorations. Also, I don't fancy the idea of taking a false advantage. I was rather indiscreet, all the same. The conversation last night was free. I don't know what you would have thought or what contributed. I wondered several times. I wondered also what report Clive would give you, if any. Can I see you on Wednesday afternoon? I have asked for an appointment to be insulated, damn it, at five. I put it off as late as possible, because I suppose I must go home directly afterwards, mustn't I? This inoculation nonsense makes me furious. Such a lot of noisy children here. Banging about the house, my head whirls with them. Keep some more circulars for me to put into envelopes. I was very happy during doing this on your floor. Or, if it is fine, we might go to the aquarium and look at the fish, who are, after all, so like one's friends. And it's on Wednesday's fourth night that I go. Melancholy descends on me, but perhaps it's a good thing. What effect does absence have on you? Does it work like the depressing charm of dog Grizzle, which endears her to you the more? I hope so, otherwise. V. To Vita. Tuesday, January 5th. Yes, my dear creature. Do come tomorrow as early as possible, and we'll stick stamps or see fish. But I want to know why you are perturbed, and wrote in such a whirl, and what your fire talk was about, and oh, and crowds of things. But I'm in a rush, have, to, have just taken Grizzle to a vet in the Gray's End Road, and now must dash off. Ah, oh, if you want my love forever and ever, you must break out into spots on your back. To Vita Thursday, January 7th. This is simply to ask how you are, feeling very miserable, half asleep, taking a little tea and toast, and then, I dare say, towards evening becoming rather luminous and remote and irresponsible. All this t takes place in a room in the middle of Knoll. What takes place in all those galleries and ballrooms, I wonder? And then what goes on in Vita's head? lying under her oars somewhere like a tiny kernel in a vast nut. But tell me, what are you feeling? Are you aching? And if you were asked, do you like Canute, Canute's wife, or Virginia best? What would you say? I left a raincoat, a crystal ruler, a diary for the year 1905, a brooch and a hot water bottle somewhere, either Longbarn or Charleston, and so contemplate complete nudity by the end of the year. To Virginia, 
I suppose Virginia got sick. This is what it sounds like. Ah, yes. To Virginia, Friday, January 8th. You angel to have written. And I like your attitude towards illness, luminous and remote, where most people would have said hot and sticky. I had, and have, a damned sore arm, but otherwise I didn't disenjoy the plagues. I lay in an immense bed with firelight flickering on the ceiling and read a book by the theosophist. He had it revealed to him by psychometry that the pyramids and Stonehenge, far from having been built by mere chops and mere drugs, were really the work of occult survivors from the Atlantean continent, from the final disappearance of their country in... <laughs> oh my god. Whenever I see numbers in in after a stream of letters I just forget how to say numbers but <laughs> um 11,500 BC and did they employ anything so gross as mechanical resources no not for them were the cranes and levers of the barbarous Egyptians standing beside the Nile or in the middle of Salisbury Plain they moved granite blocks or triathlons by the simple expedient of mes mesmerizingly depriving them of weight. In other words, they levitated. So next time you go to Stonehenge, you may picture this little group of Atlantean adepts standing by while tons of stone slowly rose of their own accord floated feather-wise in the air, and finally settled themselves across the uprights already raised for their reception. Eddie limped into my room, wasted away to a ghost, and limped out again, back to bed. He had had a visit from the devin devastating Tomlin, Will Tomlin, devastate Virginia, and precisely how susceptible is Virginia. This is a thing I should very much like to know. Oh, what a lot of little things there are in life. Xmas boxes for the postman, wages for the gardener, and tonight Boy Scouts. Good God. I was right when I foresaw that I had him forever. And in all these little things, where's the place for poetry? And I have cut my finger, and my handkerchief is all bloody, and I can't blow my nose. Oh, no. Ooh. <laughs> Please, in all this muddle of life, continue to be a bright and constant star. Just a few things remain as beacons, poetry and you, and solitude. You see that I am extremely sentimental. Had you suspected that? Christ, how vaccination tickles. What I would give for a good scratch. I must go back to Knoll. I get the illusion of living here. My sitting room, unaltered, and no one but my old Louise bundling about. It is difficult to remember that one is a straw whirling down a drain. Why does one ever read anyone but Shakespeare? He is coming to Persia with me. Complete works. 
Hot water bottle, not here. Diary, not here. Brooch, I must ask my maid who is at Knoll. Raincoat, not here. Crystal ruler, not here. Italian notebook, here, and rescued, and shall be brought on Tuesday. Somebody sent Ben an unexpurgated edition. Who knows if these words are, are pronounced right. I apologize, but... <laughs> um of Gulliver for Xmas. He has read most of it before I discovered. I was disguised. It was a disguise as a child's book. What is to be done? Oh dear, I must go bother. Poor Canute, his feelings would be so terribly hurt if I answered your question truthfully. That loyalty forbids me. Are you coming to Clive's farewell party on the 18th? V. To Vida on January 9th, Saturday. Is it damned? Here I am in bed with the flu, caught the moment I'd written to you about the delights of fever. Hot and sticky describes it. But it is a great comfort to think of you when I am not well. I wonder why. Still nicer, better to see you. So I ho hope for Tuesday. A very nice, dumb letter from you this morning. Tell me about the Boy Scouts. To Virginia, Monday, January 11th. Oh, my poor dear, ill again, and the novel thwarted. How maddening for you. I have a great deal to say. Firstly, that I don't care a damn. Not a little row of pins, whether I catch it or not. I'd travel all the way to Egypt with the fever heavy upon me sooner than not see you. So rule that out, please. Secondly, that not for all the world would I tire you. So if you want to lie in a miserable heap alone, just say so. I'll ring up at luncheon time tomorrow, and you can say come or go to hell, as you feel inclined. Thirdly, I am glad you are not susceptible to the mind, for otherwise you would find mine but a dingy thing. I have just launched, lunched off a veal cutlet and cabbage, divinely cooked by Louise, with Miss Dalloway open on my knee, and, an, and am consequently in a mood of intellectual humility. Fourthly, the Tomlin who went to see Eddie was not the right one, but his brother. Fifthly, my letters are not dumb, but Vosh. You know, I I just I am not sure. Vosius, Voferius. It is you who do not know how to read. It is true. Wow, she's really calling me out <laughs> from a very long time ago. Thank you, Vita. I, I do know this now. Um, and you presume to lecture to schoolgirls on this subject? Sixthly, that letters are the devil, disregarding Einstein and being subservient to so felicious a thing as time, i.e. if you write to me in Persia, and say you have got the ago, it is not 
It is no use my writing back to say I'm so sorry, because by the time you get it, you'll have recovered. Whereas if I write from the wheeled, you'll still be wretched when I, when I get it to you, and my condolence will be of some slight grain of use, but my feelings will be the same, whether in Persia or the wheeled. Seventhly, that I have got to give a lecture to Seven Oaks tonight, and I have lost it. Eighthly, that I find life altogether intoxicating, its pain no less than its pleasure, in which Virginia plays no mean part. The Boy Scouts were adorable, with their little pink bare knees and eager eyes, and knives stuck into their belt. And I have such a lot to do, and I know perfectly well that I shall slip away without doing it, and in May I shall come back to find Osa piled up upon Pelion, and the salmon-like, a salmon of neglected duty busily at work. I know I had lots more to say, but I forget. How do you manage to keep your head at all in the exciting life you lead? Now I must go and talk to the gardener. He has a mustache like a walrus. Eddie and I talked emotionally till one o'clock last night. I am glad you are not bad, if that is true. You'll be truthful on the telephone tomorrow? V. January 13th. How are you today? Oh, to Virginia. How are you today? I am all right. No. Are you all right, my dear? I don't like your being ill. I am just off to acquire a fresh dose of the plagues. I made a mistake. Clive's party is the night before I have to take my children to the play. So, so far, as I am concerned. There is no reason why he shouldn't have his party at 10.30. Will you tell him if you feel you are able to come? There is a packet of zoo tickets lying on this writing table. I have amused myself by altering adult to adulterer on each. <laughs> I'll write from Brighton. This is just to ask how you are. Oh yes, and I had a letter from you this morning, which you had sent to Ebury Street. Your faithful Towser doesn't like your being ill. It was nice yesterday, wasn't it? I'll see you on Monday and Tuesday, and then no more for months. V. Oh my gosh. They really start off uh, very cute. Adorable, even. We've only gone through, I guess we've gone through a month and a half, perhaps? Um, yeah, a month and a half. Seems about right. I have to take a sip, but we'll save you from the ASMR of swallowing. <laughs> January 15th, Friday. To Vida. Dearest creature, I saw Clive yesterday, who says, will you and Leonard and I dine with him on Monday at the Ivy? If you can't, as I fear, come to his rooms as soon as you can, we will come at 10.30, but I suppose I shan't be allowed to stay late. To Virginia, January 17th. 
Snow means such special things to me. It means a fat, soft plop. Plop as it is shoveled off the roofs and falls into the courtyard below. It means the strange melancholy halu by which the deer are called to be fed and which brings them bounding from all corners of the park. It means these things in an intimate way, like the ticking of a clock in one's own room means something and is part of one. I was dining out tomorrow, but have quite cynically chucked. So I can dine with you, with Clive, I mean, at the Ivy. Oh, not with Virginia, with Clive. That's cute. Oh. <laughs> so, you see that if my letters are dumb, my actions aren't. They are a practical demonstration of my wish to be with you. Will you tell Clive? Eddie is very anxious to come to Clive's party. He will be staying with Raymond. May he? I said I would ask. I hope Clive's version didn't differ materially from mine. Otherwise, it is clear that one or the other is breaking the ninth commandment. And did your answer differ from mine? Alas, no. Such a fuss here. The luggage all plastered with labels, things scattered all over the room, and Eddie chattering while I try to remember what I have to pack. Do you know Tom Elliott? No, I don't. Kodak films, aspirin, fur gloves, tooth powder. Aren't the woodcuts in the autonomy of melancholy too lovely? No, Eddie, I think they're quite awful. Don't put my riding boots in my suitcase. No one... One doesn't ride on board ship. Shall I have a sitting room, pink or yellow? And so on. So I am packing conducted. Where is Virginia's quiet room with the scaffolding outside? I will come there tomorrow and hide for a bit. Say 4.30, but Tuesday too, please for longer. A message to Vic. 5194 will stop or alter me tomorrow. If you are busy, I shall be at Ebury Street, i.e. Vic, 5194, at 10.45 for a minute. Oh, curse. Here are people and I must stop as the post goes early. I'm longing to see you. Someday I'll write and tell you all the things you mean to me in my mind. Shall I? V. Oh, oh my god. Okay. So... That was December 1925 to February, or no, to January 1926. Then we have uh, January to February 1926. Uh, Vita left London on January 20th, bidding goodbye to a disconsolate Virginia on the doorstep. Um and writing her first Persian letter in the train to Dover. Um, let's see, let's see. She went alone by sea through the Persian Gulf when she fell ill. Um, she stayed with Gertrude Bell. Then onward journey was by car through the snowbound mountains on the Persian frontier, where Harold met her and escorted her to Tehran. 
Um, oh, and the whole roundabout journey is described in her book, Passenger to Tehran. And it took six weeks. Fantastic. Anyway, sad she fell ill. These people are really... Though funny that they call getting a vaccine, getting the plague. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> to Virginia, um, January 20th. No, it's no good. The train is too shaky to allow me to pretend. I am in the train, and there is sensational labels on my luggage. So there it is. And I did leave Virginia standing on her doorstep in the misty London evening, and God knows when I shall see her again. You said one thing which pleased me so much, namely that you would try not to be in France when I came back. This gave me a real sense of counting in your life. Bless you. I have got your little Pope in my pocket, and have already presented it instead of my passport. This will happen all along the line. Oh dear, it has all been so bloody. And as for mixed emotions, I think I've lived through them all. Gone the quiet room with the crane. Goodbye, my darling, and bless you. Your Vita. Milan. She's in Milan. To Virginia. Thursday, the 21st of January. I am reduced to a thing that wants Virginia. I compose a beautiful letter to you in the sleepless nightmare hours of the night, and it has all gone. I just miss you, in a quite simple, desperate human way. You, with all your undumb letters, would never write so elementary a phrase as that. Perhaps you wouldn't even feel it, and yet I believe you'll... And yet I believe you'll be sensible of a little Jap. But you'd clothe it in so exquisite a phrase that it would lose a little of its reality. Whereas with me, it is quite stark. I miss you even more than I could have believed. And I was prepared to miss you a good deal. So this letter, letter is really just a squeal of pain. It is incredible how essential to me you have become. I suppose you are accustomed to people saying these things. Damn you, spoiled creature. I shan't make you love me any the more by giving myself away like this. But, oh my dear, I can't be clever and standoffish with you. I love you too much for that. Too truly. You have no idea how standoffish I can be with people I don't love. I have brought it to a fine art but you have broken down my defenses and i really don't resent it however i won't bore you with any more we have restarted and the train is shaky again i shall have to write at the stations which are fortunately many across the lombard plain venice the stations were many but i didn't bargain for the orient express not stopping at them and here we are at Venice for ten minutes only, a wretched time in which to try and write. No time to buy an Italian stamp, even. So this will have to go from Tress. 
The waterfalls in Switzerland were frozen into solid, iridescent curtains of ice hanging over the rock. So lovely, and Italy all blanketed in snow. We're going to start again. I shall have to wait till tomorrow morning. Please forgive me for writing such a miserable letter. Fee. To Vita. January 26th, Tuesday. Your letter came this morning. But why do you think I don't feel? Or that I make phrases, lovely phrases, you say, which rob things of reality. Just the opposite. Always, always, always I try to say what I feel. Will you then believe that after you went last Tuesday, exactly a week ago, out I went into the slums of Bloomsbury to find a barrel organ. But it did not make me cheerful, and ever since nothing important has happened. Somehow it is dull and damp. I have been dull. I have missed you. I do miss you. I shall miss you. And if you don't believe it, you're a long-eared owl and ass. Lovely phrases. But of course, to return to your letter, I always knew about your standoffishness. Only I say to myself, I insist upon kindness. With this aim in view, I came to Longbarn. Open the top button of your jersey, and you will see, nestling inside, a lively squirrel with the most inquisitive habits, but a dear creature all the same. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you heard that, but Michael really got something caught up in his throat. That was very sweet. Wow, these are getting very sweet. And, uh, uh. To Vita, um, January 31st, Sunday. Look, I have stolen a piece of the press note paper to write on, and it is Sunday morning, about half past eleven, and I have written all I am going to write this morning. Shall I write the letter I made up in the bed this morning? It was all about myself. I was wondering if I could explain how miserable I have been the past four days, and why I have been miserable. Though about one can gloss things over, bridge them, explain, excuse, Writing them down, they become more separate and disproportioned, and so a little unreal. Only I found I had to write the le lecture for the girls' school, and so had to stop writing. To the lighthouse, that began my misery. All my life seemed to be thwarted instantly. It was all sand and gravel, and yet I said, This is the truth, this guilty misery, and the other an illusion. Yes, I miss you, I miss you. I dare not, because you will say I am not stark and cannot feel the things dumb people feel. You know that is rather rotten rot, my dear Vita. After all, what is a lovely phrase? One that has mopped up as much truth as it can hold. To Virginia, January 23rd. We are somewhere off the coast of Greece, and pretty beastly it is, too. Very rough, and the boat rolling about in an old tub. She has a deck too many, and consequently is top-heavy. There were a lot of things I wanted to ask you, whether you couldn't invent a new form of type for empathetic passages, a new system of punctuation, whether you shared my preference for the upper berth in a wagon lit, which I believe to be... Adavisic. 
and my dislike of scraping past the stomachs of Frenchmen on the way to the wagon restaurant, and whether you would one day come on a journey with me. Dolly says she will give me a good character, but the elements have put all these things out of my head. You must imagine me, please. I am sitting up in a small bunk at an angle of 45 degrees with my suitcase toppleganging up and down the floor and all my possessions disappearing under my bed, the ship filled with a clatter of crockery at every lurch, and me trying to write to you. But you see, one's whole system of values change, and the important thing is merely to keep one's balance. Sunday night, I had to stop writing. It was impossible, and now my eyes are filled with the beauty of Crete, struck by a sun rainbow, but it is still pretty rough, and at one moment today I thought the boat was going to turn turtle, as her sister ship did on her last voyage. This encouraging piece of information was given me by a fellow passenger. I have picked up a young Italian who is more baccacado than you could conceive, with golden hair and the figure of a greyhound. Oh, interesting way of saying that. He is going to ride through Persia from Bushire. A most romantic young man, but very seasick, poor dear. I shall look forward to seeing him ride to Tehran on a fine April morning. <coughs> Have you ever seen Crete? If not, you should. My dear, I'll write to you from Cairo. This is hopeless. I must go to dinner. V. February 3rd, to Vita. Here's a letter from Cairo, I mean from the shores of Greece, coming this morning. A dumb letter. But I'm getting good at reading them. I did like it, and I wrote to you yesterday. And see that I must write now to catch the mail. So there's no news. Also, you'll be so excited, happy and all that. You'll have forgotten me, the room, the crane... We cut a very poor show against Tehran on Friday, but this will have happened weeks ago. We go to Rodmel. Dearest, how nice to have you there in a month or two. I made 20 pounds unexpectedly yesterday and vowed to spend it perfecting the water closet on your behalf. But Tehran is exciting me too much. I believe at this moment more in that than in Tavistock, Tavistock Square. I see you somehow in long coat and trousers, stalking over those barren hills. But really what I want to know is how the journey went, the four days through the snow of the caravan. Shall I write? Shall you write and tell me? And the affectionate letter, when's that coming? Okay, I very well may stop there. Though I do want to hear the affectionate letter. Um, oh. Uh, hmm. Well, okay, this isn't really an affectionate letter. It's mainly just her telling her about her travels, which are lovely, but... I'm not... Oh, Jesus, sorry. Almost fell backwards there. Oh. Anyway... 
There are tons and tons. I'm not even halfway through this book. <coughs> so, if you want to know, it, it ends sadly, uh, if you know anything about Virginia Woolf's life. But what a very sweet time period for them. And how romantic. I hope everyone has a lovely Valentine's Day. Um, single or not, treat yourself to some flowers. Um, yeah. And thank you for listening to How Did I Get So Late. I hope you have a lovely rest of your night and week and sweet dreams. Until next time.